Glad you're here with us this morning in a little three-part mini-series. I'm taking the middle part. Just want to say if you're visiting with us today, today's your first Sunday. Come back next week. I'm just the youth pastor, okay? So this is like, don't think you're going to get a real sermon this morning. Just the youth pastor here. So uh, last week, Justin kicked it off with um, our, our little mini-series, three-part mini-series, and we're looking at God's design and God's gospel and how it's kind of weaved into last week the marriage relationship. Then this week it's going to feed over into the parent-child relationship. Next week we're going to kind of close it out with God's gospel and God's design in the workplace. So um, last week we had the marriage relationship. I just want to brag on my wife a little, just a little second real quick. My wife always gives me the best advice before I speak. Two things she said this morning. Well, actually, she always says one of them. She always says, don't embarrass me. Okay, great advice. The other thing she said is, make sure your fly's up. All two, two great advice from, from a godly wife. So uh, <laughs> this morning, as we get into the scripture, we're going to see, like we saw last week, the theme of submitting ourselves to one another in the fear of God. Submitting ourselves to one another last week. When it kind of flows, everything's flowing, everything's like it's supposed to be. What we have is first, wife submit to the husband, and that is as to the Lord, as we saw in earlier in Ephesians. The husband loves his wife as Christ also loved the church. And today we're going to be looking at children. Children obey their parents in the Lord. So we've got as to the Lord, as Christ also loved the church, and then in the Lord. Today we're going to talk about a little bit, it doesn't always flow, right? Life is not perfect. We don't always have things going exactly like um, they want, like we want, like God intended. So this, what we're going to do right now is um, just talk about what happens when it's not perfect, right? What God intended, but what happens when it's not perfect? I, uh, have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you're the last person that needs to be in a leadership role or in charge I remember for me, the last church I served at was a very, very, very traditional Southern Baptist church. And about, I was right out of college, and um, I'm talking about like, you know, the, the full suit, everything. Had my suit on, the pastor said, uh, I need you to lead communion. So like I said, I'm, re- I'm fresh out of, of college. And the Southern Baptist church, especially like very traditional, small, traditional Southern Baptist church, um, the communion table is up front, and there's this cloth over it. And the cloth doesn't mean anything, but the cloth means something, okay? So as we got ready, and I, just growing up, I always remember, like, as soon as the cloth comes up, it's like this hush, right? It's just like, so um, I'm supposed to be the one in charge of all this. So the pastor, he, uh, he was gone. He asked me to, to speak, so I'm speaking. And then we get ready for communion. And we also had, I like to call them the Pope chairs, You know what I'm talking about? Those chairs that the backs are like this, super uncomfortable. The back goes really high. So I'm sitting in that chair, and I'm supposed to be the one leading this. And I remember, like, I put my head down. People probably thought I was praying, but I was just thinking, God, why do you have me here right now? Like, why am I the one? That's how I feel getting ready for this this morning, honestly. (laughs) Getting ready for talk about the parent-child relationship. Because I look around this room, and in our short time here, I've met some of you, and just the wisdom of some of the parents in the room. And I know a lot of you as children, grown now, but you probably obeyed your parents way better than I obeyed my parents. But um, here I am. (laughs) All right, so we're going to get into this this morning. If you ask my two sisters, they would probably tell you that 
I was qualified to preach this sermon. I'm an oldest child. Do we have any oldest children in the room? A couple? Yeah? If you're an oldest child, you know how it goes. Like, it just takes our younger siblings a little while to catch on, right? They're just, it takes them a little bit, but there's a reason we're the firstborn, right? The reason we're the firstborn. So, uh, but my sisters, I love them to death. They're awesome. Last week with Justin's sermon, I really had to reevaluate myself as a husband. You know, what is God's design? How do we see the gospel through the way I'm a husband to my wife? And this week, as I've studied as a parent, you know, how, how am I doing as a parent? And so it's been um, a lot of thinking the past two weeks. Let's look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We're going to get this on the screen. Um, originally, this was in written New Testament in the Greek, right? And uh, like we talked about at Theology Night, for those of you that weren't here this past Thursday, um, sometimes when things get translated, they're a little confusing, or we're not exactly sure how it's to be translated. Um, in our world today, this is right out of the ESV Bible. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. When we take it back to the Greek, what it really says is, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Y'all see that, the difference there? Anybody catch that? Very simple, right? <laughs> There's not much explaining. So <laughs> the big difference between now and then is some of you guys are going to catch that later. You're going to be like, is that a comma? A different comma there? So uh, when we look at it, the difference was back when Paul preached this, the children were actually in the sermon. They were in. It was as public worship. The family went together. Um, we didn't really have... What we have today, you know, the incredible people over in our gym right now, the incredible resources to help our children understand the gospel on their level, we were just, everybody was in it together. No gyms, you know, no resources, no TVs. Um, like, if, if you search over there, you see it's incredible what we have, the resource we have for our children, for them to understand the gospel. It's so neat. So today I thought, you know what? If Paul did it, I might as well do it too, Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and dismiss, and all you guys just go on home. And Sandra has all the children sitting right now in the gym, legs crossed, hands like this. They're just waiting for me to come preach them a sermon. You guys believe that? No, you don't believe that. Because <laughs> kids don't do that. Come on. I got one. So uh, what we're going to do, as we look through these verses, we are going to see there's a lot of application for us as adults. And going back to our miniseries, God's Design and God's Gospel, the design for the parent-child relationship is for children to obey their parents. Obedience is right, right? So it's right because that's the design. That was the original design. And then you look further into it and we see obedience is commanded, literally commanded as in the Ten Commandments, right? Number five, honor your father and mother. And God spoke those words to Moses. It still rings true today in the design of what God um, called us to be and called us how to live. And then the third one is obedience brings blessing. And I think the first blessing, this is common sense. I told you guys I'm a student pastor, so I like common sense stuff. But houses where children obey their parents are more peaceful <laughs> than houses where children don't obey the parents, right? It, it's peaceful. And the other thing, it's common sense too, but children who obey their parents live, <laughs> especially when they're young. They live. They survive, right? So my son's three. Lemmy's three. And I remember we live on this real busy street right now, and uh, he has a line on the cement that he's not allowed to 
to pass in our, in our front yard. We uh, open the garage when it's not 112 degrees here in San Antonio. And we like to, it's like our little turtle. He's into turtles right now. So we've got the, uh, the sewer set up in our garage. And we play, we hang out. Well, he's got this line he's not allowed to cross. People fly up our road. It scares me to death. A couple weeks ago, we're out there playing. And he knows the line. And he wasn't past the line. But this big truck comes by and just hits the gas, and it kind of scared me, honestly. So my first reaction was to yell at Lemmy, because I just, I mean, I was seeing him, I knew where he was, but I still got scared. Lemmy! So Lemmy's like this tall. Lemmy's like my height there for a second when he jumped, when he heard me yell at him. He landed, and he was like, ah. But as a parent, children don't always realize we're trying to protect them. You know, but, but that's what we're here for. That's what we do. We protect our children. So parents do everything in their power to protect their children. That's what kids don't always understand. And so the point, up to this point, we focus on the kids, how they react. So now we're gonna get into us as adults, as parents. And the question we have to ask ourselves is this, what are we teaching our kids to obey? What are we teaching our kids to obey? One of Catherine and mine's greatest parenting tools, I feel like was being in, in student ministry for five and a half years without a kid of our own. So. You guys know the universal rule when you're fresh out of college and you don't have any kids, you don't tell parents how to parent their children, right? Is that a pretty universal rule? So uh, we did a good job of that. I had a couple friends that were youth pastors. To be honest, I don't know how they didn't get punched in the mouth by a couple moms, by things they said, right? But as we go into that and we think about this, one thing Catherine and I did I think a really good job of was just observing observing. We had, you know, 25 to 35 kids in our house every week. We took them to camp in the summer. We took them on mission trips. And when you spend that much time with kids, you pick up on parenting styles. And we saw a lot of things that we wanted to do with our kids. And we knew we were going to implement that in our parenting strategies. We saw a lot of things. We were like, not going there. Okay, we're going to leave those things out. But it goes back to this. What are we teaching our kids to obey. Like Justin said last week, most problems in marriage aren't marriage problems, they're God problems. And the same thing in parenting. Most problems aren't parenting problems, they're God problems. So what is the root or the core of why we want our children to obey us? Why do I want my children to obey me? And I think ultimately we want our children to obey us and honor us because it leads to our children as they grow honoring and obeying the Lord. And that's it. That's, that's the reason we parent. So our children can ultimately honor and obey the Lord. I'll be real for a minute, so don't judge me, okay? I've already talked to the biggest Packer fan in the room this morning. I'm a Panther fan, being from North Carolina. They're going to play in a little bit. When I think about children obeying our parents, in a little bit I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch the Panthers game, right? Why do I want my children to obey me? Let's say the fourth quarter, it is a close game. And Lemmy, two minutes left in the game, grabs the remote, tries to turn the TV on Netflix to watch Mickey Mouse Halloween Spooktacular for the 473rd time. In that moment, if I grab the remote, I'm not thinking to myself, Lemmy, I'm teaching you to obey the Lord in this. <laughs> right? I'm thinking... Where is the game? But, and that's just a little, you know, a little uh, illustration. But why, if the purpose of our children obeying us is to make things easier around the house, we're missing it. We're missing it. That's not the main goal. The main goal is for parenting is for the child ultimately to obey and honor God. And as I thought about it this week, 
and as we talk through these, these verses with Justin and Craig, and here's the ultimate goal, I think, is parenting. We're preparing them to stand before God when their earthly life is over. Have you ever thought about that far in advance with your kids? We're preparing our children to stand before God when their life is over. Catherine and I went to a passion conference down in Atlanta a few years ago. So if you've never heard of passion, it's uh, for 18 to 24-year-olds. There were like 80,000 college students in the Georgia Dome. And a uh, pastor was, was preaching, speaking Francis Chan. And he said something I thought was funny. He said, parenting, the whole idea behind parenting is for the kids to leave. <laughs> Right? You love them, you care for them, you feed them, but ultimately the purpose of it for them to go, to get out. And he, what he was talking about was, and you know, our society today, he's like, I think some parents have forgot that. Like they want them to stay. They, no, you don't want them to stay. You want them to get out of here. So how are you preparing your children for when they're gone? And the stats show, as a youth pastor, you know, looking at this stuff, seven out of ten church kids. Okay, this is not like. Creasters. Y'all know what Creasters are? People go to church on Christmas and Easter. This is not the Creasters. This is the people who are invested, all right, weekly invested. Those students, seven out of ten students graduate high school and graduate church. Seven out of ten. So as a youth pastor, I'm thinking, that's not good. But I never thought of it as a parent before. But if you think of that as a parent, so you've got only 30% of parents who are doing something right there. 30%, if 7 out of 10 are leaving. So I've got a a picture I want to show you real quick. It's called uh, Influence. And when I was in North Carolina, I worked with the ministry Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And this is a a picture. Once you've served, I don't know what the year is with uh, FCA, you get this big plaque. It's this painting at the bottom. It just says Influence. And thinking about Influence, two words FCA used a lot. And I think they've really helped me in my my walk with the Lord are influence and legacy. Influence and legacy. So this picture, a little background, it's it's taken at a camp. Little guy there's three or four. And um, the guys in the background, they're having a Bible study. So at FCA camps, you, you get huddled up. So that's a bunch of college, high school athletes there having a Bible study. This little guy, he's just taking it all in, right? You can see him. He's just focused on what they're doing, what they're talking about. And I want you to think about right now a coach or a teacher in your life who greatly impacted you. They did not greatly impact you only because of the subject matter they taught or the sport that they taught you. They probably did a whole lot more to influence your life. And think about parenting. What are we doing above and beyond that we have to do to leave a legacy for our, for our children? And I think about Basketball practice just this week, God throws things at you, but we do a quote of the week every week for our students. It's like the first week it was a basketball quote. Next week it was actually like a football coach quote. This week was a Bible verse. And so we're over at Castle Hills First Baptist School. And so the kids, I read the Bible verse. It's, um, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends, 1 Corinthians 10, 18. I said that because some of you would come up to me afterwards, I know, and be like, so what was the verse, coach? You tell your kids to, to remember it. Do you remember it? So that verse, and so as I tell them the verse, I said 1 Corinthians 10, 18, and they're like, oh, come on, coach, another Bible verse? We already have to memorize a Bible verse. Typical teenage boys, right? So they're like, we already have one this week. And this one guy on our team, he says, I got it. And almost in unison, the rest of the team, they go, Coach, that's not fair. His family practically lives in the Bible. 
legacy. I thought, wow. So all these kids, that was just instant. They just spit it out. So all these kids know his parents practically, his family practically lives in the Bible. So that gets me thinking, what's my family known for? <laughs> you know, how scary is that? What's my family known for? If someone was just to say, the Nicholsons, what are they about? Is it they practically live in the Word of God? I don't know what else would be better than that, but is that what my family's known for? The parent should be the most influential person in a child's life, not the TV, not the computer, not the phone, not the pastor, not a teacher, not the youth pastor, the parent. So this morning, you know, what's keeping you from being the most influential person in your child's life? My parents flew in last week to visit their grandson, not me and Kat, but, you know, we enjoyed their visit too. But um, I'm, I'm so grateful for parents who showed me, showed my sisters, and showed other people Jesus' love so we could see it. And uh, as, I, as I, the whole time I was growing up, I just... We saw, I saw a visual in my parents of what it means to love people like Christ loved the church. There's a book, it's, it's called Losing Your Marbles by a guy named Reggie Joyner. It's a really scary idea, super scary idea. But the idea behind this book is you get a jar, you put it in a place you can see it every single day. You write your kid's name on the jar, and you put in one marble for each week you have with your child until they graduate high school, okay? So if you start from birth, it's about... I think it's around 950 marbles, okay? You see where I'm going with this now? So every week, you take one marble out. And as your child grows up, you get this visual of, of basically how much, you, how much time you have with them until they're an adult. How scary is that to see it? If you put that jar somewhere, you can see it every single day. But the point is to keep you focused on the main goal, right? Not just today, not just tomorrow, not just your three-year-old acting like a crazy man, but the main goal, right? What, is, what does it look like there? So our, God's design for our kids is to obey us, but we have to honor God through what we teach our children to obey. Let's look at verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word father there, it can be translated into parents, okay? So moms, this is not your free pass to make your children angry, okay? You've got to, <laughs> you, can't, you can't make them mad either. Um, I just want to pause real quick and just say parenting is really hard, <laughs> super hard. And when we think about our three-week series, looking back to last week in marriage, and then looking forward to next week, the workplace, how applicable is this verse, and not only dealing with our kids, but dealing with anybody. Do not provoke your wife to anger. Do not provoke your husband to anger. Do not provoke your coworkers to anger. It all goes back to God's design and the gospel. So by loving others and not provoking them to anger, we're loving God at the same time. And that's what, that's what we're here to do. So some of you guys are probably thinking or have thought for, oh, the kids, they're so cute. They're so they're so incredible. They're so awesome. I'll agree with that when they're asleep. Okay? They're pretty cool when they're asleep. But when they're awake, ugh, they're evil sometimes, aren't they? Justin said it last week. We never teach our kids to say mine. Mine, 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 mine. They just get it. Some of the grandparents are looking at me like, you're not talking about my grandchild. My grandchild is perfect. No, I am talking about your grandchild. <laughs> 
It's the same way with us as adults here. You know, when we think about it, when we're awake, a lot of times we're trying to, to mess up God's design too. We're just like the little toddlers, the little kids. I remember when I think about provoke to anger, when I was in high school, my senior year, we played this school right up the street from us in basketball. So we knew a lot of the guys, you know, we grew up together with them. And we get into the game and, and we start we start winning, we start winning big. And this guy, he, he's actually a friend of mine, but we had probably exchanged some words throughout the game some t- at some point. And uh, towards the end of the game, there's like a scrum and we're all on the ground and he ended up getting called for a travel. And so he, he turned the ball over. So the referee calls travel and walks away. And I know we have one referee in, the, in here this morning at least. But uh, this guy, I'll never forget this. I've never seen it before. He picks up the ball and as the ref's walking away, lasers it and busts the ref square in the back. And got ejected from the game just like that. But in that moment, I kid you not, I'm, I'm being serious. I was thinking to myself, I did that to him. <laughs> like, I helped do that to him. Like, I provoked him to that because of what had transpired in the game. And I, I felt bad, even though I like to win. You still got to win the right way, right? So, uh, but, but provoking anger. But think about our, our children. We know the buttons to push. Think about our spouses. We know the buttons to push. Our coworkers. Once you spend any time with somebody, you know the buttons to push. But it's not about provoking to anger. It's about loving them. Bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. A couple weeks ago, um, Catherine and I were in North Carolina. We were doing a wedding up there, and we read a verse. The, the bride and groom on a verse, a couple of verses read in the wedding. You guys probably have heard of it before, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Read it just about every wedding. And so you guys have probably thought about those verses as it pertains to the husband and the wife. But as I was, I was reading and studying this week, I came across those verses, and for the first time I thought about those verses as a parent. So I just want to read it to you real quick. Just think about this from a parent's perspective. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. In the second part of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, the words bring them up, it can also be translated into nourish. And I think about nourishment and how it's constant. We keep it going, right? Whether it's a seed that you plant, whether it's a sick animal, whether it's a child, we got to continually nourish and disciple our children and bring them up in the Lord. It never ends. It never ends. Even when they're gone, it still never ends. We're still bringing them up in that. You don't water a seed once, right? Say, okay, good luck. Hopefully it'll grow. You don't, you know, a baby bird or, or a, one time we had a little baby rabbit, I remember, at our house. My mom got the little bottle out. We fed the baby rabbit, tried to get him back to help. You don't give them the bottle once and throw them out in the backyard. Hey, good luck, little bunny rabbit, right? We don't do that. We don't bring our kids to church once a week and say, okay, Sandra's great. She's an incredible children's pastor. Let's just leave them there. And good luck, kids, the rest of the week. No, it's constant. It's constant. It's every single day you dive into the Word. You show your children. We show our children what it means to grow up in the Lord. And it doesn't end, like I said earlier. When they leave the house, it doesn't end. You don't have to buy groceries for them anymore, but it still doesn't end as far as it growing them in the Lord. 
So we got the cheat sheet on growing our children in the Lord. Step one of the cheat sheet, the book of Proverbs. And we're going to hand you a little cheat sheet here in a little bit. Justin's got it for us. He'll talk about that a little bit later. But the book of Proverbs is full of incredible parenting advice. And the other thing is prayer. One of the things I'll never forget, my dad told me when I was in middle school, he told me that he was already praying for my wife when I was in middle school. He, my parents are incredible prayer warriors, but, but are you taking advantage of praying for your children as much as you should or as much as you can? I thought that just blew my mind. Like, middle school boy, you're not thinking about a wife, right? But my dad was already praying for, for his kids' spouses when we were in middle school. And the third thing, I think the biggest thing lately for Catherine and myself is, is being in community with other people who are trying to grow and develop their children in the Lord. And we talked earlier that verse about going back to the Greek, right? So what this means when I say find a community, the translation for that is when the service is over, go back to the community group booth and talk to Craig about finding a community group, all right? Jump in the community groups and get it going with that. That's been incredible for Catherine and I, just that every Sunday afternoon to talk through and, and just not just about parenting, but just hear about other people's struggles and to be able to walk through it with them and get to know and just see how we're supposed to do it, you know, how we're supposed to live our life as a believer. So I want to close this morning with this. The goal is not obedience. The goal is honor. You can raise a child to obey everything you say, and they, they never honor you. As soon as you turn your back, what are they doing? But if they honor you, they're going to obey you. And we're going to transition to a time of communion here in a couple minutes. But as we do, I want to look at a passage of Scripture. It's the ultimate portrayal of a son being obedient to the father of a son honoring the father. So check this out. Think about that, what it means to honor your father. Starting in, this is Mark 32, or verse 32, it says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Yet not what I will, but what you will. What does it mean to honor our parents? Not what I will, but what you will. Christian's going to come on up here, and, and as we prepare to take communion, the, the question's really simple. You know, partial honor is not honor at all. Jesus shows us throughout the Gospels what it takes to honor the Father, what, it, what he did to honor his Father. I just want to ask you this morning to, to kind of step back before we go back to take communion and ask yourself, are you willing in every aspect of your life to say, not what I will, but what you will. It's easy in some things, but other things, it's not that simple. Not what I will, 
but what you will. So I'm going to pray for us. And, and after I pray, if you're visiting with us, um, anyone who's a believer of Christ, even if you're not a member here, we invite you to take communion with us. We kind of funnel through the middles here. We have tables in both the back corners. And we ask you just to, to take the bread and, and the cup and take communion while you're back there and then return to your seat. But keep that on your mind this morning as we pray and, and as we sing, not what I will, but what you will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for just showing us in your word and through your son what it means to honor you. And whether it's our marriage, whether it's dealing with parenting, our coworkers, God, it's all ultimately about honoring and obeying you. These are just ways that we, we can do it, God. And I pray that we keep that in mind. We keep the end goal in mind. How are we preparing others to stand before you at the end of their lives. That's the purpose. As we look at ourselves this morning, I pray that we can we can honestly we can honestly say, God, not my will, but your will. No matter how deep it may cut, no matter if there's changes that need to be made, God, help us to be able to to, to ask our question ourselves that honestly and really look inside and, and be able to answer it. We thank you for your love for us, God. We thank you for for marriage and for kids and, and just for relationships, God, with people that we ultimately use just, just to grow, to grow in you and, and to grow closer to you, God. I thank you for this church, for the relationships we've built so far and the ones that are still to come, God. We just ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.